Look, he's gunning for trouble. The world's wiliest, toughest gentleman agent with a license to kill. 007, it spells Bond. He's the idol of every woman. Who are you? Bond, James Bond. The envy of every man. The nemesis of the treacherous Mr. Goldfinger. Sean Connery in Ian Fleming's Goldfinger. Starring Gert Froba as Goldfinger. Honor Blackman as Pussy Galore. Also starring Shirley Eaton. James Bond is back in action, mixing excitement with girls and thrills. It's another Bond buster. Well, we are we are here at Recon Cinema Studios, and we're having a epic James Bond celebration with uh, and the highly anticipation, the high anticipation of the upcoming uh, new James Bond film, No Time to Die. So we figured it was uh, it was the perfect time to get our, uh, our one of our extra special guests here in the studio to cover one of the. Probably the most popular James Bond film of all time, and I'm talking about Goldfinger. Welcome to another episode of Reconcinimation. I'm John Diner. And I'm David Munchak. And we are taking a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and going back a little bit earlier into the 60s today. And uh, David, who's with us today? Oh, if it's a James Bond movie, we've got to bring in our... Director of Exchequer Studies uh, from the technical branch of uh, Recon Cinemation. It's John Kazempel. Hey, good evening. Thanks for having me. Hey, John. Welcome back. How's Welcome things back. across the pond? Uh, uh, what's going things on? Things are fantastic uh, in anticipation of doing Goldfinger here because, you know, I know what order the movies come in. Uh, we have been working for the last few weeks on some fantastic technology reminiscent of Ancient Alchemists, in which we now can i can tell you officially turn lead into gold oh oh really you've perfected it we have we can turn 790 tons of lead into a single ounce of pure 24 karat gold oh i've got plans then this is great yes. i'm yes. I've got my lead stockpile this also is be southampton may not be there anymore parts of the entire south coast may not have electricity for several years but a fresh ounce of new gold okay yeah i i mean Gold is that rare thing. Like, oh, I love it. This is this is a new a chapter for reconsideration. Who needs lead? It's trash. It's not good for you. Forget I mean, all, of it. All, all we were doing it here in the office was using it to make new pipes for the bathrooms. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lead pipes. Pa- Paperweights and you know odds <laughs> and ends like that. David, if the Romans did it. It must be good. What? What did David? What do you want made of gold? If you could have, you know, just anything you wanted out of gold, what would it be? Um, you know, probably like, uh, in the kitchen, uh, you know, the, the set of things that you put your, your sugar and your, your, uh, flour and, you know, uh, some grains mm-hmm. and you just have like three jars on your, your counter. It looks really nice. I think it'd be nice to upgrade those instead of like a white ceramic, get a perfectly gold jar, uh, for each with a nice little etching on the side that that would be my, 
that would be my my uh ostentatious uh luxury for makes for sense yeah yeah well, what about you uh i would probably do all my silverware all of it mm-hmm. and a toilet paper holder Ooh, it's yeah. a, it's essential Ooh. it's got to be made of gold yeah i mean john what is what is your first plans with uh, the the few ounces the first few ounces that you make what are you going to do uh keychain what's keychain. that just oh, the round chain. part, you know, the part that you put the keys in. Just the round part. <laughs> the ring, the just the ring. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're not even gonna like make a little trinket to hang off it in gold. It's just the ring. <laughs> <laughs> well, fun pseudo actual fact here. Um, like those little whatever tension rings on key rings. I am so terrible with those things. I usually have to ask whoever I'm with to like put my keys on them. Gold, mm. however, is is an incredibly pliable metal. So mm. if I had one, I could just like open it up, put my key in, close it back up, done. Save myself minutes every year. <laughs> Think of all the time savings. Think, <laughs> Think of what that will translate over the years. You're going to have <laughs> lots of extra minutes at the end of your over life. Over the course of my life, it's at least two or three minutes. <laughs> Just the round part. Um, well, you know, uh, loving gold is, is, is not a sin, I don't think, but maybe how you acquire it uh, it, it is something to be looked at, right? isn't it? I haven't read the Bible in a while. And I'm pretty sure Rose Bamans is very clear, like "Thou shalt not covet" kind of stuff. Mm. So mm. I haven't read that in a while. It's, yeah, been, it's a, been a long time. It's been a while, but like I think this is what this movie's about: is the uh, the coveting of of gold and the acquisition of it, and the moral it choices we make. It's a it's a very is uh, it? I'm pretty sure this is a, an ethical I drama. Think that's somewhere in there, David. Uh, you, you, that's part of it. I, I feel like this it's, is like, a, it's like a Christopher Hampton play. It's just guys <laughs> talking about morality all day. Yeah, that's what. I, that's how I took this movie. <laughs> well, uh, we have looked back at the first two James Bond films, uh, you, which you can check out in our archives at www.reconsinimation.com. We took a look back at Doctor No uh, last year, earlier this year. John joined us to. Uh, reflect on from Russia with love and we're still going in order. We're going to, you know, uh, I think a couple times a year, we're going to hit the bond movies up in order and uh, Goldfinger's up at bat. What? Uh, so let, John, let's start with you. Let's catch everybody up. You're a, you're a, a big time James Bond fan. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, no, since I was very young uh, first, I can't remember the first one I saw like ever, um, Saw the living daylight in the theater. Definitely read Goldfinger when I was eight. Uh, give or take, read basically all of Fleming from between eight and about eleven. So yeah, I, I grew up with this stuff. Me and my my dad was a huge fan because he had read Fleming when he was a kid, and literally passed on the physical books to me. I was reading these 30, 40 year old paperbacks when I was a kid, and um, and yeah, no, this is a weird part of my DNA almost. What, can you recall around like the first time you saw Goldfinger? Did you see? I mean, obviously you didn't see it in the theaters, but uh, did it, you? Catch it would have been. TV? I want to say probably on TV. Um, and what channel? Seven, what channel eight. would that have been? That would have been in Philadelphia, probably on Channel Fifty Seven. Oh, not the Superstation. Not the Superstation. He didn't no. have the rights yet. Turner. Well, we didn't get cable in Philly until 87, I want to say. Oh, really? So I was about 10. Yeah, we had cable down the shore. 
but uh, cable does not come to Philadelphia until the late 80s. Uh, Interesting it, now because much of the town is now run by a cable company. <laughs> right? Aren't all the towns run by cable companies? Maybe not. Not like not like we are here. No, not at <laughs> Recon Cinema Studios. We are we are our own conglomerate uh, corporation. So no, but in, in Cable Town, you know that's well, that's why we call it Cable Town with a K. <laughs> uh, David, what about you? I'm I'm curious. Your I I want to get a lot of feedback from you today because I what? know that you are newer to the Bond franchise. So what's your, uh, what, what, when did you watch Goldfinger? Did you see it when you were a kid or, or is it a more recent viewing? More recent viewing. But like as a kid, I had seen, I think, cl- uh, bits of it. This is a common refrain on the show. We're like, oh, I've seen like 10 minutes of this and that. So there are lots of things that look familiar. Um, uh, uh, Jill in the bed covered in gold, uh, which is obviously just a famous clip they show everywhere anyway. But, you know, odd job. Some of the car chase uh um the one car chase at least uh you know uh, through the hills of of where switzerland or wherever Mm -hmm. they were um um and yeah a little bit yeah and like yeah so there were flashes of that so but i didn't sit sit down and watch the movie till 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 just recently to to review for the podcast so um my main takeaway from this is this is where we get to start making fun of james bond right (laughs) this is i never made you watch goldfinger I probably would have refused. Oh, right. <laughs> like, okay, that's that's fair. Yeah, I probably just nah. I'm not into it. Bye. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, like and like yeah, like this is this is it. This is when we can just start saying like this is this is crazy, right? Right? Like this is over the top, right? I well, I, I I I'll wait. Go ahead. Based, no, go ahead. based on the fact that I don't know what else is coming, like obviously I might not know what I'm talking about, but like. This is setting the stage, right? This is it. Oh, this is this is this is your scene setter, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is a huge, huge turning point in the franchise. Really, I mean, a launching point, a bit more than a turning point. But uh, yeah, we're gonna <clears throat> obviously dive real deep into this one and what works. And and this has always been the iconic Bond film. Um, I my early member. This is one of the first ones that I saw. Uh, I. Saw Dr. No, um, this, and A View to a Kill kind of all around the same time when I was like maybe six or seven and uh, definitely would have been on the Superstation, WTBS, uh, Movies for Guys Who Like Movies. You want them? CBS has them. Movies for Guys Who Like Movies. One big, bad, in-your-face movie every Sunday night. Yes! That was a little bit later, but movies <laughs> <laughs> for guys who like movies. Was that, oh my God. Was that Superstation or was that? Oh, that was absolutely. TV. Yeah. That's TBS. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I believe that was... that's before dinner and a movie. Uh, correct. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I, and I briefly fell in love with Bond around a view to a kill, and then kind of stepped out of it during the Dalton years, and then when Goldeneye came out. That's when I really got all the hype about Goldeneye. I really dove into Bond there. And that's when TBS was running all those marathons like every weekend almost. And they would run them in no order that made any sense. It was like, here's the spy who loved me, followed by Dr. No, followed by the living daylights. Like, <laughs> like, huh? What? But uh, I do remember seeing it in the the video store back in Movies 1 with... Uh, when the old, I think it was the Betamax tapes had 
just stills from the movie as the poster. So uh. the still for this one was him on the table with the laser going up his crotch. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was the selling point for the. Uh, right <laughs> like you rent this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> He's gonna get sliced in half. But yeah, this is uh, you know Goldfinger is. If you ask, uh, you know, we take a poll. I think most people are still going to say that Goldfinger is their favorite Bond movie, and it's the most. Uh, I we'll, we'll talk this out, but I do think it's probably the most iconic. Whether you like the film or not, this is the movie that really set the table. So, what, John? Let's start with you. What is ideally your perfect Bond film? Are, are you a fan of the Connery Bonds? Or are you a fan of more recent ones in general? So this is this is this is tough for me. Um, I'm not gonna lie to you. I watched this today. I don't know if I'd seen Goldfinger in maybe like at least 15 years, if not more. Um, I watched this today. I'm sitting here for love going. Why am I watching this? This is terrible. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. it's so tough because at some point these became real movies and not James Bond movies anymore, but this is when they become James Bond movies, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, oh, this is really hard to watch. Like, like I love watching Sean Connery, but I, I'm having trouble enjoying watching these movies now, especially now that like Goldfinger's like, hey, gadgets and women and casual racism. And all this other stuff, you're like, this is really kind of. Why did I love this when I was a kid? Oh, because I was eight. So right, right. I can hear, I can hear John like signing my death warrant. No, over there. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually in agreement with you. But yeah, no, I, I could not believe how much I disliked the experience of watching this. It's not, it's not bad. You know, it's not like in right. however many when we, when we get to like the man with a golden gun, which is just like an objectively terrible movie on, on any front. Goldfinger's fine. I'm just like, it's just, you recognize how kind of dumb this formula is. Well, I, th- I think it depends on the lens with which you're looking at it. That, you know, if you're looking at it from a nostalgic point of view, that's one, one thing. Like you, I don't think you can compare Casino Royale and Skyfall to the Connery Bonds and even the Roger Mormons. But like, I don't think the that's whole... what's happening here. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> I know. And obviously, like there's in great detail, there's a lot of reasons why this movie may not hold up for a lot of people. I think some people still enjoy it for what it is. But yeah, there's a lot of racism, sexism all over the place in this movie. And and the general kind of like campiness of Bond really kind of starts here with this one. I mean, well, I- more one-liners than I could have counted. I mean, I know we always had one-liners with with Connery Bond, but goodness, <laughs> not not really before this. I guess there were. Well, there's yeah. I guess there was only a couple because we commented on like, you know, when they make him do like sort of a, a pithy little line, like Connery just can't really pull it off. I remember John <laughs> saying that on like the last, just like yeah, he just can't really do the comedy bit of it. But they were like, it was littered. <laughs> like every everything was a even uh, Goldfinger comments on it like. Choose your next witticism carefully, Mr. Bond. It may be your last. Like, Goldfinger is like the Citizen Kane of James Bond movies. Like, it's really important 
in the history of the whole thing, but however many decades later, it's not super fun to watch. I honestly, like, I can't watch the Connery Bonds with anything except, like, through the nostalgia lens. Like, I, I when I want to watch a James Bond movie, like, I, I don't reach for those anymore. It's totally different than, you know, prior to, I guess, you know, prior to the Daniel Craig Bonds, it was everything sort of changed in the past 15, 20 years with it, that suddenly like these movies, even though growing up, we may have loved them. Like John, did you, did you love Goldfinger when you were a kid? Cool. I, uh, yeah. I couldn't determine in between a good one and a bad one until I was like 16 years old. Right. Right. I mean, this was my favorite for sure. Uh, Except Moonraker. Then... I, even then I knew Moonraker was bad. <laughs> Moonraker's Moonraker's Moonraker. <laughs> um, mm. But yeah, I, I loved this one and and now I just it it is. It's hard to watch. I watch these all the bonds with my kids and they on a scale of one to ten for all of them, they rank most of them like twos and threes. They're very discerning though. So, very, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but also they come I mean, they're not even they're 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 born after nine eleven. Like they're, you know, they're from a complete completely different generation mm-hmm. where you know this bond this bond had to happen so we could have action movies today that we have right like i mean it's sure this one had to happen uh and so for that you know yeah it gets points but it is like this it is it's it's funny to watch like i like you're saying john it was hard for you to watch um i was pausing it every 20 minutes and taking just a little break like take a look at my phone all right, and then like okay, go back. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't look on my phone while I'm watching it, but I'm like, I just kind of want to look at at the internet right now. <laughs> then I'll go back. So I, I basically twenty minute chunks uh, to just pause it. Like okay, not, right, now I'm ready, ready to go dive back in. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, go ahead, John. It's it's weird because like this is the the absolute template for basically not every single movie that follows until 1995, but with only maybe two or three exceptions, um, you get not carbon copies of this, but sort of stamped out versions of something very similar to this um, in terms of, of, of structure and, and character and plot and, uh, and the sort of the, the things we have to hit in every movie kind of stuff. Um, and it's weird because... Out of everything, out of all the random James Bond elements that are in every movie, and, and take your pick, you know, girl, car, villain, locations, gadgets, blah, 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 all those checklist things. Um, the only one in this movie that actually jumps out is the DB5, and that's just mm-hmm. kind of because it's, an, it's the Aston Martin DB5. Um, like, the performances, none of them jump out at you, really. The, the gadget is a magnet that he puts in his shoe. And that's about it. And odd job. I'll, I'll give you odd job. Odd job is like the prototypical henchman in all movies, more or less after this. But like everything that this movie says, this is what a James Bond movie is, almost gets done better later on, which is weird. Well, yeah. And this one, this one absolutely sets the formula. I mean, it, it, it takes what's been started with Dr. No and from Russia with love. And then they just kind of nail it here. And then, yes, you're absolutely right. This is the blueprint 
for years and years. The, the word I would use is that they is it, it, it ossifies into this into an unbreakable code that we can hardly ever deviate from. Right. For right. Thirty years. Yeah, I mean that you're. Yeah, everything was based off of this formula all the way through the end of uh, of Dalton, right? Through License to Kill. Yeah, that, that, like um, theorize only steps away from it a little bit. And, and yeah. is, is my favorite Roger Moore movie and does some interesting things. Uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service is like a weird, like red universe, James Bond movie yeah. almost. Yeah. Um, and then with License to Kill, we're like, let's just make a, you know, a violent 80s action movie with James Bond in it. And you kind of get that thing. Um, but no, other than that, with license, we, we stamp out whatever 13, 14 movies off of this template. Um some good, some bad. Some of them, some of them are still really good. I really still enjoy watching Thunderball specifically from Connery. Mm. Um, but then, but yeah, it's well, it's, it's the original franchise. It really is. It, it really is. I mean, this is a total product of its time too. I mean, you you have to, I think, factor that mm -hmm. in when watching it. Of you know, how did this movie get made like this at this time, and why was it so big and you know, what was the world like? I mean, we're, we're in the cold war, you know, we have this complete fear of communism, uh, you know, tensions with Russia are on the rise and here comes this British, essentially a superhero that mm. everybody falls in love with. And, and we'll talk I, about, I love it. I love the that. answer to all those questions you just asked is because John Kennedy liked it to basically all those questions. Yeah. Because well, we, this was John Kennedy's favorite book. All these things happen. Right. Well, we talked about on the in the From Russia with Love episode that that was his. What wasn't that his favorite book from Russia his with Love? His favorite book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so of course, you know, he was uh, quite a popular president. And then after his passing, you know, Bond obviously continued on. But uh, yeah. So where are we in the Bond? Let's talk about the world of James Bond at this point. So. This is 1963 when From Russia with Love comes out and uh, all, I think, 11 novels had been published by this point, uh, plus one short uh, by Ian Fleming. Um, Ian Fleming, unfortunately, has uh, passes away before the film. I think after the film was done shooting, but before it was released yeah. and uh, he never really got to see the full success of James Bond. But this is the Goldfinger's, I believe, the seventh novel. Uh, and I think it was published in 1959. So again, this is all out before even the first movie comes out. So it's interesting that the, the order of the movies and why it varies so much from the order of the books. Well, part of it is because of the lawsuit with Kevin McClory. They had wanted to make Thunderball after for much with love and, and couldn't because they were in court with this guy um oh. so they were like fine screw you we'll make goldfinger while you know we're all battling back and forth over who owns this story yeah and wasn't this i i feel like i haven't read i've read the book i think twice but not in a long time i feel like this movie was pretty faithful to the book i know that a couple of changes the <laughs> the the end is not totally different but his purpose of what he's doing like in the book he's just robbing fort knox yeah and, and it was i was reading this there was a big thing people were like you can't you can't rob fort knox just because like james bonson says it just take too long you just can't do it and in the <laughs> book like it would like the the, the the movie is is a really good sort of upgrade to that it's like it's like the original you know Zack snyder end of watchman fixing the book on screen 
Like, no, this is like Bond basically says, but this is dumb. You can't do that. This is obviously ridiculous. <laughs> and I think it's, the, but then there's, the, we can talk about the, 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 the last third of this movie is, becomes kind of acid trippy for me because it makes so many weird choices. And yeah, yeah. Like, why are they dressed as army guys if they think everyone within 10 miles is dead? Yeah, there, there's like, there's logic uh, holes. <laughs> In a lot of places, in, in a bunch of the Bond movies, for sure. Mm-hmm. And th- and that's I, I agree with you. There's some stuff that stood out. We'll we'll get to it as we get through the movie. Um, I think but, for, for ahead, just Dave. real quick though, like I liked I liked how uh, I, I do like how you they fix the like fix the ending of, of that. Like you can't really rob Fort Knox, but like it took a while to get there. Like so, I like the. You know, I felt like, boy, Goldfinger really is pretty goddamn smart. Like, this is, he's a pretty good villain for what he's doing. Oh, Actually, oh like, sure. Like, Goldfinger's the great. The bit where Bond's like, he's quite mad. I'm like, why is he mad? He, his plan seems pretty smart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, just from start to finish, like, he, yeah. he knows exactly what he's doing. He, yeah. he got three warring, warring factions of mobsters to, to do all his bidding. And oh, oh, please let, I, I can't wait till we talk about the mobster scene. <laughs> that is my favorite scene in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good. That's, that's the scene where Ken Adams has blackmail pictures of somebody, and he's like, "You're gonna let me do everything I want in this <laughs> one scene," and they have to do it. <laughs> Say, Goldfinger, what's the big idea? What's the? What's the yeah. <laughs> Why do you have so many rotating pieces of computer equipment? <laughs> what I was thinking about that pool table. Like, what is this? Is this a merry-go-round? What is this? And what's it, the like... trick pool table? <laughs> <laughs> that that so dialogue funny. is god awful it, it, <sighs> and and the performances by those particular actors not that they're bad i've seen some of them and in, in, i recognize them from some other films but uh my my it is uh that is a difficult scene to watch like what buffoons like the <laughs> this is clearly the british thinking the americans are just morons especially mm-hmm. gangsters you know oh yeah yeah that see was- <laughs> I want my million to go. See, <laughs> basically. <laughs> uh, but but this is speaking of uh, British and American re- relations here. This also is a major attempt to get Bond uh, more more popular in in America because the yep. first two films were had pretty soft releases, especially Doctor No. Um, you know, with with Cubby Broccoli and, and Harry Saltzman, they really wanted to expand the franchise. Like they saw, they knew the potential of James Bond and, and knew how big it could get. And it wasn't really landing in America. It, it did okay with Dr. No from Russia with Love was a little better, but they knew, I think everybody had a good idea. Like this is the one, this is the one that's really gonna uh, kind of blow everything up. And, and it absolutely did. So you know, we'll, we'll talk about the box office, but they, they went in with a $3 million budget and walked out with like $124 million takeaway. So yeah. Budget uh, higher than the first two films combined, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's wow. uh, yeah, it's, it's, that's quite an achievement and, and one of the greatest successes of the franchise and, and uh, we'll, we'll circle back uh, about the, the, the income this movie made a little later on, but um Let's uh, let's talk about the production itself. So we, you know, we finished. We've done two movies with director Terrence Young, who we spoke about before. Really injected a lot of the Bond character from himself. Uh, you know, even Connery 
admits that, that a lot of bond is really Terrence young. So, you know, they, they make an offer to him to come back, but he, uh, as rightfully so wants a piece of the profits and the percentage of the, of the gross and, and they uh, don't want to give it to him. So there's a, a brief, uh, an albeit brief parting of the ways between uh, Terrence Young and, mm. and Eon Productions. But uh, they turn to another director who was on the, on the list for Dr. No, Guy Hamilton, who's I think also worked with Connery previously and, and had a relationship with him. And he steps in as director and he'd end up directing four, four of the bond movies. Uh, are you, John, are you a fan of the guy Hamilton bonds? It's yes. And no, like I, I sort of, like I still kind of hate the guy for turning these movies into this. Cause there, there was another path I think where we take the for much with love route and we make not, serious spy thrillers but more serious spy mm-hmm. thrillers closer to what Fleming had sort of written right um and it's Guy Hamilton who says what if we did this and uh. you get to you know positively shocking from from that turn well you get um, what what you end up with is like really one of the early blockbusters yeah it's the equivalent of I don't know. Maybe I don't know if I'd say the Avengers, but like you know, a Captain America movie, a an Iron Man movie. Oh, it was it was it was big, um, and like watching it today, it's it's tough to do. You can still sort of like watching like the action sequences. You're like, yeah, you know, what? in the year 2021, this is not that interesting or even good. But you know, I've seen in 1964. This is really exciting stuff. It's huge. Yeah. It's vast yeah. for for that time period. You look at the other movies. I mean, we spoke about this on other episodes, but at that time, really, like westerns were sort of your action movies. Yeah, and and you didn't really have action movies like this until James Bond comes along, and then suddenly, you know, you've got more spy things and and just action adventure uh, stories. But yeah, this was absolutely super fast paced and and high energy for for that time period. Yeah, a lot, lots of cool hand-to-hand combat, and and all that was. I could see this being exciting. Those the running, uh, those cars running through the the streets, uh, first in the in the mountains, and then also on the uh, in the base, and all that. That was exciting stuff. Like uh, that was pretty neat. And one of the things you you still get early, like in Goldfinger, um, I think Thunderbolt might be one of the first movies to do a ton of underwater filming. The way they did. Yep. Um, early in the series, you're still, for however you know good, well made the movies are, they're still giving audiences things they've basically never seen before. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that that feeling is impossible to replicate. Like, yeah. I mean, for for me, that the the quintessential of that is the first time you saw the Matrix in the movie theater, right? And you're like, holy shit, what are these guys doing? Yeah. Yep. And yep. and for the first two or three or even four movies, like every James Bond movie was that you'd see you would you would watch it and in 1964, and you're like, I've never seen movie scenes like this, you know. And and the trouble is the the, the series itself sort of dilutes that as it goes on and keeps doing them and doing them and doing them. But it's I, I will have to give it credit for being innovative and and new and for the time really exciting. Hmm. Yeah, totally fresh at the time. I mean, this is yeah. this is this whole concept is really brand new 
at, at the time. So, and you've got such a charismatic lead. I mean, you know, for all things, I don't know. I, I will always love Sean Connery, uh, even though Bond has become, you know, his version of Bond is outdated and super sexist and, and hard to watch in a lot of parts. Uh, I love him for so many other movies and, and this makes him, you know, took him from a star to really an icon. Yeah. That, mm. that, that percentage they didn't want to give Terrence Young, they gave him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly the most important cog in the wheel at, at yeah. this at this point, and and you know wouldn't really last too much longer when you think about, uh, you know, I guess none of the bonds really lasted all that long. Mo- Roger Moore really is, I think, has the longest tenure. But uh, yes. looking at the years, isn't Daniel well, Craig more. sort of appro- approaching that? I mean, two thousand five was when they announced him, right? Roger Moore made seven movies in 12 years. Daniel Craig's been at it for 16 years now. Yeah, so, 16 years, yeah. but only five movies. Five movies, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's interesting. I love how eventually everybody ends up hating being James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, it's, it's you know, it is. It's like playing Superman. It's, it's a lot of expectations. It's a lot of FaceTime with the media and fans. And um, really, uh, for Connery, this is you know, it propels him to that, you know, I, I would say like a John Wayne level, a, a, uh, Cary Grant kind of star level very quickly. I mean, look yes. at the movies he was doing right before James Bond, Darby O'Gill and the little people, the longest day. Hey, 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 know. don't, don't step on Darby. O'Gill no, 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 right. no, not, not, no disrespect to it. Just it's, it's not this tier of a movie. Um, and he's not the celebrity that he that suddenly it's like boom now he's everywhere he's a household name yeah uh, i feel like in this uh, movie too he's this is like his best of the three now he's really he's really fit he's very comfortable with james bond now like he knows the character very well i feel like i really enjoyed him most in this one first and that might have also to do with i don't know if it's the script too or how it's i don't know the direction i I just i felt really i enjoyed watching him in this it felt like he really knew what he was what james bond was about i think well well, i think yeah i think john hit it on the head earlier with guy hamilton kind of between guy hamilton and richard maybaum the the Mm -hmm. screenwriter uh who wrote so many of the bond movies early bond movies they really like they figured out what it what this package really is so they're the ones who ratchet it up to that level of like you know which now watching it does come across silly and doesn't work but the villains the 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 women the gadgets the um the stakes like they raise the stakes or feel much higher in this movie um and then bond himself and connery also uh you know really he's figured out that character you know I actually really love that opening pre-credit sequence. Shocking. Positively shocking. Yeah, that's cool. And I love how this starts that, uh, you know, the what happens in most of the Bond movies is that there's the pre-credit sequence that has nothing to do with the rest of the plot. It's its own little mini adventure. And maybe yeah. that's why a lot of them work is because you know, they, you, the, it's like five to 10 minutes or not even 10, it's probably five minutes long. And uh, you don't have to like get into all that stuff. You just kind of mm. get into it and have fun. But when he, 
Except in the you world, the world is not enough, which is like twenty minutes long. Right, right. The pre credits. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even like talking about that movie, but oh um, come on, I mean, uh-huh. that's, that's one of the ones, the late, late ones that I like. The when Connery, he's got that white suit on, and when he steps in the frame, <laughs> he's like Cheeto under a wetsuit. Yeah, wet suit, yeah. <laughs> just genius. But like that is uh, that's so, sort to me, that's an iconic Bond shot right there. Like just too cool. You got explosions going off, and he doesn't even blink, lighting a cigarette. Just took oh, off yeah. the wetsuit. You know, <laughs> it's perfection there. But uh the pre-credit sequence then is that's a sig- that's a signature of bond going forward yes a- yeah okay so yeah well i could see i could see why uh spielberg copied that in indiana jones um if, if also- we want to have this discussion about i don't know if you've, you you must have heard me say at some point dave my thing that indiana jones movies are james bond movies i think so yeah like I mean, oh they, yeah like structurally they are james bond movies yeah right oh, down to like the the M scenes is it well forgetting Temple of Doom like Le- Raiders Last Crusade there it's when you start looking at it, like holy crap this is just what they are yeah yeah um, but yeah. yeah no go ahead sorry no it's 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 Bond in a different setting it's an it's American Bond, Bond yeah yeah no absolutely yeah it's all it's all the setup and then the uh, the the villains uh, the villains the women the henchmen the, yeah giant I mean, giant Ken Adams sets. Yeah. Stakes. Yeah. Wow. Oh. Wow. Shit. So the some of the best best James Bond movies are Indiana Jones movies. <laughs> there I, you go. I, I, yes. No. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, would, it, it, what are the best James Bond movies? Okay, you got Last Crusade. You have Inception, <laughs> and I, I don't know the Spy Who Loved Me. Sure, whatever. There <laughs> you go. <laughs> Well, is it also like I would say like the Bourne movies are sort of an attempt at a, an American James Bond type movie as well. So I can unfortunately talk a lot about Jason Bourne because the, well, I oh okay, these, the, Ian Fleming is a joy to read. Uh, once you get aside from his, his casual misogyny and racism yeah. and everything else, like reading his books is a lot is very pleasurable. Uh, reading Robert Loveland's books is the opposite of of that. Um, the born, the first born book is just uh, unreadable, um, and I don't know what the plan was, but with with Doug Lyman, but by the time you get to Greengrass, we're like, what if James Bond movies were unpleasant and made you feel bad and really, really violent? I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, why not? And <laughs> which, which turns out is interesting, but. I think they're more a reaction to being Bond movies than trying to sort of replicate it. Yeah, that's a good point. Oh yeah, they're not trying to. They want to show you a little something different, right? I mean, that's the. They don't want to just copy it. You know, he's Bond out for revenge. Oh, we, we had stuff. tons of copies of it, especially in the late sixties, early seventies. Oh yeah. Um, James Bond got copied out the wazoo. What was the one with James Coburn? Um, in like Flint. In like our man Flint. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, well, and that was more of a. Sp- that was like a spoof though. Yeah. Um, that was sort of like an airplane version of, <laughs> of James Bond. I've never seen it. Was it really? I didn't, it's, I didn't know it was like, yeah. I mean, it is also kind of dated, but you can have a lot of fun with it. It really is. It's, it's, it's a straight co- action comedy. Yeah. I mean, it's James Coburn. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. He, he was aiming at the horse. I'll watch anything that dude's in. Um, you were talking about the books. Let's just sidebar on those. So, 
I I'm a huge fan of the books as well. I, I think they're all of them are fantastic reads. Um, you're correct. There's definitely some misogyny in there, uh, but as far as structure and the character mm. of James Bond, I, I mean, I am way more into the character of Bond from the books, which I personally feel like Daniel Craig is the closest to that version of Bond. So, the only one who's close is Connery. Um, but yeah, no, Daniel Craig more or less is the Fleming Bond just stuck on screen. Right. Um, the Connery Bond is something really entirely different than the the Fleming Bond. That you know, in the the books, there are no one liners. There's not even. I don't even think there's a lot of the gadgets and the. He's always just, no. He's there's just, none of them, right? No, and he's and in the books, he's just a miserable son of a bitch. In the yeah. books too, who's who's like, uh, sort of buffeted about by professional ennui all the time, um, who constantly basically worries about what he's doing not like if it's right or wrong it's like eh, should i really be killing this many people eh, whatever i will and who, who is just really a sort of unpleasant bore in the books um which daniel craig brilliantly brings to life in in, in his films um are you saying daniel craig is an unpleasant bore <laughs> Uh, personally, I'm sure he's not, but I think, would you want to be in a room with Daniel Craig's James Bond? Like, no, no, <laughs> you know, um, um, and Connery, I, I think Connery knew himself very well and knew he couldn't play that because they tried to sort of get him to go that way in the first two movies. And he's not good at the light comedy stuff, but he would, he would not have been good at trying to do that character either. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he knew that. Yeah, I think they made. I think they made the. Uh, clearly, they made the choice to move Bond in this direction, and I think, as far as, you know, in a lot of respects, that was the right move to do for the franchise. If you want to make it this giant thing, that it became, uh, it was absolutely the right call for them. It just took it in a different direction than the books. You know, yeah. if you were faithful to the books. The and not just what happens, because I think like beat for beat or action for action, there's a lot of, you know, this book is, is close to the movie is close to the book, but uh, it's the tone of it that is, is off and changed. You got to make it a little more fun, right? You can't, you know, you can't, I love that. I mean, go ahead. You have to, I mean, Dave, you've seen Casino Royale and Skyfall or whatever. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know that you could have made that movie in the sixties. Um, a, I don't know if the Hayes Code would literally let you make it, hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and and I don't think audiences would have been ready for for that movie for that story. Then, um, Bonnie and Clyde is what sixty eight, I think sixty seven, and, and and that was like a, a huge cultural brouhaha. And you mean we look back at Bonnie and Clyde now and I'm like this is tame, pretty yeah. much, yeah. Um, so to try and like the, 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 the Craig Casino Royale is very, very close to the book. Um, basically the only real change they make is they change the card game they play. Um, right. And that airplane and, and, and that like, you the, know, the, the, the added scene, but yeah. yeah but yeah. like you, you, you couldn't make that movie in 1963. You just, you no. just it would never happen. The, the, so te- like we, the testicle torture couldn't do that back then. Yeah. No. Uh, 
um, well, I forget the what they did. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And in great detail in the book. It's, it's in excruciating detail. <laughs> excruciating in the book. detail. Oh, oh, dude, dude Ian Fleming was a grade A sicko. Um, <laughs> and that, like Ian Fleming's bizarre personal life is a whole other thing. You can't see me like making hand motions, a whole other thing. Right, right. Um, dude, he named a character Pussy Galore. Yeah, yeah. The... <laughs> Plenty O'Toole. Look, and these, and these are not childish, like snickering jokes. This is right. like, all right, what should I name this guy? Pussy Galore. Yeah, that works. Cool. Yeah. My name is Pussy Galore. I must be dreaming. No, but Ian Fleming aside. Um, hmm. um, how no, you've, you... you've got the property. You, you want to make it. Let's do what we can to yeah. make it. Yeah. Uh, how did you feel about dropping the in the book Smirsh and in the movie franchise it's Spectre? How did you feel about them moving away from that and keeping this? I mean, they essentially took them out and tagged in the Chinese government in the movie. Uh, did you feel like that was an okay? Uh, how do you feel about them stepping away from that super terrorist group uh, briefly? I don't know that you could even do that kind of overarching story back then. In the, in the movies, at least, you know, in, in yeah. books, Fleming, a Smirch was a real thing, for one thing. And Fleming could sort of string a plot along in a book series. Um, right. Aside yeah. from some other uh, things like like Boys Town or whatever. I don't think the notion of a continuing story in movies even really exists until well, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, like a sequel that is an actual continuation of a previous story and not just, you know, Thunderball, um, right. Godfather 2, maybe. Well, I, I do. I did appreciate with the Craig ones that it's sort of a slower reveal of like Spectre being behind, you know, a lot of what's happening in the first sure. few of those movies that, you know, you're building to something rather than here in the bond franchise you kind of see it right away and then it's hard to like it almost feels like gi joe and cobra you know like the, the bad guys are going to lose and then they're going to regroup and come up with some what whatever their next crazy plan is wouldn't that I mean, be the key wouldn't that be the key thing though for your hero is to establish a nemesis even if it is like the group he's acting against and then then you get into blowfield or whatever like i mean that was the times that was a, we didn't even catch the same actor as blowfield more than once so uh, that's yeah, you're correct. Yeah, we we keep changing. We keep changing. The first blowfield you see on screen is Anthony Dennison, right? right? Isn't it? No. It's, well, it's it's his it's his body that you see in From Russia with Love. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then another actor's voice. Do you, and do you see him in Thunderball, or do you, is it just a cat again? I'm trying to remember. It's the cat again. You don't you don't yeah. see him till uh, good old Donald Pleasance. You said Donald Pleasance, and then. Charles Gray. Um, well, 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 you're forgetting Kelly oh, Savalas. Forgive me. <laughs> well, I love Kelly Savalas' Blofeld. Uh, I love Honor Bad Secret Service. Um, but like, the, like continuity just kind of wasn't a thing back then. No. Well, I mean, I mean look, we, you, you get different Felix Lighters all over the place. You get oh boy, do you get different Felix Lighter in this movie? Yeah, oh, oh my god. god. Yes, we're gonna get there. Um, Worst Felix Lighter ever. I. Yeah, most yes, I think yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> Just, how many, yeah. yeah. How many different actors play Felix Leiter? 
six, I believe. Six, yeah, six or seven. Oh, <laughs> the only one to repeat. Oh, well, there's two. There's David um, Hedison. Yep, David Hedison, who does it like in a 20 year span. Yes. <laughs> with other Felix Leiters in between. And oh, then, wow. And then uh, um, right. Jeffrey Wright, who I think is a, I think he's a good Felix Leiter. It's a different. I'll, I'll watch it, Jeffrey Wright do anything. Yeah. I, I, I love that guy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't. So you get different, uh, you know, M's throughout the series, and there's no, you know, there's no acknowledgement. It's just, you know, they yeah. obviously we have different bonds too. So no, well, they they do sort of acknowledge it um, when Bernard Lee dies uh, between Moonraker and, and Octopussy, I want to say. Uh, no, so it's around Moonraker and For Your Eyes. Yeah, and they bring in. Oh God, I'm blanking on the guy's name. Robert Brown. Uh, who's originally not M the first time you see him. Right. Um, it's mentioned that he's like the interim, he's deputizing for M. And I forget if they say, oh, M, Sir Miles passed away or whatever. Um, but he's not M the first time you see him and eventually gets promoted, I guess, and is there through License to Kill. Right. Yeah, that, that's Robert Brown. And yeah. then after him, you get Judy Dench for a long time. Yeah. And, and oh. now Ray Fines. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, let's talk about Ken Adams. Uh, Ken Adams sets his. Uh, I, I'm He's a back. huge Ken Adams fan. He's I, back, I think, baby. Yeah, sure. I love Ken Adams. I, I I think his sets are incredible, and they are a big part of the early Bond movies. What What's the last one he did? Was it Spy Who Loved Me, or did he do one more after that? Um. I want to say so because after Spy Who Loved Me, Fear Eyes Only does not really have a lair. You know? Yeah. And neither does, neither does, neither does Octopussy, I don't think. Nope, nope. No, no, no we, that... we basically get away from the Ken Adam lair once yeah. he passes away. Yeah, yeah. But it's such a, you know, you can tell a Ken Adam set right when you see it. I mean, it's that big, cavernous, open space, these enormous sets. Oh, and, it's, it's the over-the-top theatricality of a movie set that yeah. again nobody was doing right you know? yeah. even like the ten commandments is clearly charlton heston standing on like a styrofoam <laughs> cliff you know in front of a in front of a backdrop yeah and ken adam's like nope we're gonna make these giant things yeah i i love the stud the stud uh stud ranch set that rant that with the the moving all oh, the moving parts what's with and... the trick pool table <laughs> is this a merry-go-round what's going on here? uh yeah oh man that was great it was gorgeous as soon as they walked in i'm like oh that's gotta be i i remember you said ken adams comes back yeah. i forgot when i was like that's I, gotta be I, I also love that they wouldn't let them in fort knox but they would let them in uh the british version of fort knox which i forget the name of and oh, apparently wow. it was super super boring it was just like like filing cabinets or bookshelves or whatever. Like, well, we got to make it look cool. So that's why he made it like multiple levels and stacks of gold and all the kind of stuff because they let Ken Adams go nuts. Yeah, that's the oh, that's the that's part of the interior of the, the British one. No, they said they, they, when when they toured the actual British one, it was it was very boring. Oh, gotcha, so when gotcha. he designed Fort Knox for the movie, he like had to jazz it up. Okay, got it. Because I was like, yeah, that's a great design. Too. Yeah, you, could, like, you can't apparently fall to your death at the British Gold Depository. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. With just stacks of gold and yeah. behind bars just chilling out. Just or like boxes can... in a basement lying around. Yeah. 
And you can tell which sets they did let him just sort of run wild on, like Goldfinger's lair with with the laser, the crotch laser, uh, with uh, the the you know rec room, Goldfinger's rec room where the yeah. gangsters are. That's amazing, and and of course Fort Knox. I mean that is that is enormous that set, and that's yeah. all that's all done out of Pinewood Pinewood Studios. Yeah, yeah. that's like five stories tall. Like <laughs> it's it's enormous. Yeah, and it gives you this. It really does does give the tone this larger than life uh, feeling. This that modern modern sixties style. Mm-hmm. That the, uh, the set's so big that you have to see odd jobs stop at each level of the stairs and check it. Check the bond hasn't gotten out of handcuffs yet. Then go to the next one. <laughs> he stops. He looks. Yeah. The next one, like, why don't you throw the hat from up there, dude? The, from I know. The, from the top yeah. one. Snipe him already. <laughs> Um, but we also get the introduction that you mentioned, John, of the Aston Martin DB5, which is the iconic Bond vehicle and really the center point of the gadgets of, of this movie. Uh, the gadget yeah. is the car and all the things that it does, which, you know, really, this is the another ratcheting it up with with all of that side of things, because in, in For Much With Love, he just gets a briefcase that pops out coins and a knife and you know that's really explodes it. and it explodes yes which we also don't... mentioned in this movie which i thought was hilarious yeah but this is uh takes it to a yeah. whole new level and the car is so much fun and clearly something they could market and oh yeah and it became such a huge uh, collector's item and a toy for kids and and uh, models and and everything but uh this is uh you know for this one being his iconic vehicle he, he only it he only appears with it, I think, four times, including Skyfall. Oh, really? The DB5? Um, yeah. I'm trying it's to in, think. It's in the opening sequence of Thunderball. It comes back. It doesn't come back again until Goldeneye. And then yeah, he, dri- he drives it in Goldeneye. Yeah. Um, well, they would change f- it. Whatever, it you know, was the time, right? Yeah, the, the hot car well, of the time. I, mean, I can... I can go through the whole list if you want, because James Bond and cars is like where my Venn diagram comes together. Um, <laughs> but this does have my favorite car gadget of the entire series, which is the rotating number plate. Because it's like, okay, A, Y, and B, like, are, are you avoiding parking tickets with that? And if you are, is the cop going, oh, the other DB5 I saw on this street had this license plate. This is a different license plate. So this must be a different silver DB5 in front of this guy's house. I sh- I'm not going to write him up. I'll keep going. Like rev- license plates. Why? Well, and and how many could you possibly rotate? Because they say it's good in all countries. Uh, yeah, I, I counted three. That's which, three. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's all they, you need. There are only three countries. Is a sort of classically British viewpoint of the world. You know. <laughs> Yeah, England, true. America, fine. Canada, good in three, good in all three countries. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this this car, it's a lot of fun. You get the ejector seat and the the spikes coming out of the wheels and the uh, the smoke the, the, and the, the shield and the, yeah, the obligatory bristly Q scene. Oh, yeah, of course, he, yeah. He really doesn't trust Bond with all his gadgets, man. Jeez. He's not. Well, he ends not. up losing all of them. Yeah. Much, right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame really him. Gets fucked up. <laughs> like, uh, well, like every other movie he asks him to bring them back intact. Like that's a running yeah. gag. Yeah. Oh, is it? 
It starts with yeah. this, right? Or Please I guess maybe from yeah. Russia with Love. Uh, the yeah, and, and let's talk about Q. So this really takes Q to you know becoming a real character of his own. Um, he's the character is in Doctor No, not played by Desmond Llewellyn. Yeah. Just briefly, he gives him his Walther PPK. From Russia with Love, we get Desmond Llewellyn and him walking him through the briefcase, but no real relationship building until this movie when yeah. you start to get that back and forth, the jabbing between the two of them, which would continue all the way through uh, until Desmond Llewellyn passes away. Does uh, does Desmond Llewellyn ever leave the lab and then join him on adventure? He does. He Yeah, and license the kill. He's out yeah. in the field. Yep. Oh, all right. He pops his up famous, in the, he pops up in the field. Radio. Right, right. He pops up in the field of a number of times, but doesn't actually like do anything until License to Kill. Gotcha. Well, that's cool. But I love that. I, I do lo- love that relationship between the two of them. Yeah, and and his his exit is one of like the great things in the series, like because he was he was retiring anyway. Yeah. Um. And and the way Q goes out in again, the world is not enough. Great movie. Um. Really well done. He, he passes the baton to John Cleese, right? Let's not talk about what happens there. <laughs> I don't remember. Well, John Cleese, they crossed over, right? John Cleese was his like protege, even though yeah, John yeah. Cleese is like yes. 20 years younger than him or something like that. And Let's not talk about John Cleese. I agree, though. His his exit in that film is, I mean, it's it's oh, touching. Man. It's like one really of the, classy. the yeah. heartfelt, real heartfelt moments of the series of which there's there's really so few of those kind of moments that you know because the audience by then has such a he's like your grandpa you know yeah. <laughs> you have your own relationship with Q and he's such a lovable character that is so much fun throughout the series even in the not so great movies he's got great moments mm-hmm. like all the heartfelt movies in this series before that are all really upsetting and they're mm-hmm. they all mostly revolve around his dead wife yeah <laughs> Spoiler, Spoiler Dave. I, I... <laughs> oh no! I get some. I'm gonna get the tissues ready for the next next viewing. Well, uh, not the next one, but um... <laughs> how about John Barry's score? Uh, as I, I think, did Barry do? I I want to say he did twelve of them, but I could be completely wrong about that. He did a number of of the bonds, the early Bond scores, and he felt like this was the one he was most proud of. Yeah, I remember I, reading him saying that. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was great not hearing the James Bond theme throughout the entire movie, like the other two movies. Exactly. To do. Yeah, like it's just like here's an actual movie score for you. Yeah, <laughs> like, this this movie does still repeat the "For Much with Love" thing of blaring the James Bond theme in a totally inappropriate scene when he's walking in a hotel room for yeah, yeah no yeah. real reason. <laughs> yeah. But like, I feel like it, just, it gradually just moves away to that, right? And just sort of like, well, and, and the, the the Goldfinger theme, not this, but like the, the the sort of the musical motif for Goldfinger, um, which is kind of a first for this series here. Again, um, the sort of that wah, 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 that, that that accompanies yeah. Gert Frobe a lot and is behind the scenes. Um, so I remember Barry saying like, this was the first time he had complete control over the entire process, mm. so he could he could do stuff. Like he was writing to an unfinished version, I believe. Yeah, I believe that's correct. You know, and but at the same time, he's like, "Oh, I can." He can. You can sort of tweak what you're doing as the movie grows and changes. I mean, you're uh, speaking as somebody who listens to a lot of classical music. They, uh, in terms of movie scores, 
nobody comes close to John Barry on classical music stations. Mm -hmm. They love John Barry scores. Out of Africa. Oh, boy. Yeah, I would say offhand, this is probably this is probably top two. Yeah, probably top two scores uh, of the Barry scores for me. What's number one? I was, believe it or not, I was partial to, and I haven't seen it in a while, but I think it was Spy Who Loved Me. I, I uh, enjoyed that that score, which I think is one of his still. Yeah, my favorite is uh, the Living Daylight score, which is his second to last, I yeah. believe. But it's yeah. the first time he used uh, electronic music in a James yep. Bond movie. And does yeah, some very I, cool things with it. it was such a different sound, but I, I really enjoyed that one as well. Yeah. And then we had Eric Serra about the less, the less said about which the better. Correct. Uh, uh, now let's talk about Shirley Bassey's uh, cover of, of the theme song for Goldfinger. Goldfinger. How do you guys feel about that? Because we're, we're really getting that. This is the beginning of that. I mean, I guess from Russia with Love had it also, but this is really the hammering at home of that opening song. It's not a great song. It's really, it's really not. Like oh my I listen, God. I'm listening to crazy? Goldfinger. I, I Dude, love okay, it. Okay, okay. One hundred percent fact: the Scorpio song from The Simpsons is a better song than Goldfinger. <laughs> Shirley Bassey <laughs> is fantastic, though. I mean, that's an amazing voice. I think I think her later songs are fantastic. I'm listening to the song. I'm like, did this always sound like this? Like she doesn't sound that good in this compared to her vocal for like Moonraker, whatever, fifteen years later. Um. Well, I wonder if that's part of just the general production of it. I don't know if that's her voice. Well, that, or and not. you know, and, and growing as an artist too. But yeah. like, like it's it, the song is really intense and in your face, and but also the weird like jazz orchestration is not very James Bond. Uh, okay, I'll give you that. Yeah, you know, yeah, um, it and is. the it's... credits playing scenes from the other two movies, which is another weird thing. Like, yeah, like they're well, doing they, the helicopter scene. I'm like, I could have sworn that was in from Marshall with love, not this. And it was right. So. Yeah. It's sort of that, that credit sequence is sort of a bit of a, a recap, if you will, like of, yeah. of some of the sequences from the first two movies. Just, I don't know in, in case people watching this hadn't seen the first two. Um, maybe it's just to get them basically caught up on what they missed. But uh, yeah, her, her song is very, it is, it's very in your face. It's very, powerful um but i think it's also ranks up there pretty high for a lot of people of uh it, it's a pretty popular one and she's the only performer to do multiple bond songs yeah she did three yeah there was this diamonds are forever and moonraker yeah i i, I, I remember also a much better song than this i think yeah, I think uh, personally, Moonraker is my favorite of of the three. Yeah, it would be just uh, what I you know and en enjoyability for me would be Moonraker, Diamonds, and then Goldfinger. I mean, there uh, of however many we've had, what twenty one movies now. There aren't a lot of really good songs in there. Like I, on a sort of like pure. I, I don't know. I like level. a lot of them. I, I dig them as movie songs, but like say what you will about tom jones can you imagine like hearing thunderball on the radio and going "Ooh, don't change that channel i right. don't listen to thunderball you know <laughs> like a, a view to a kill is a, is a great song yeah yeah agreed. you know um 
I think I think Moonraker is is a great song. If you mm-hmm. could ever hear the um, Sharon Nelson version of it from the David Arnold album years ago, even be- better than Bassie's version of it. Um, I would I would say um, my all time favorite is is uh, Skyfall with Adele. I think that's an amazing amazing it's, song. It's the best part of that movie. <laughs> I have a feeling we're going to have a difference of opinion on that one, but that's way yeah. down the road. So. Yeah. Um, no, nobody does it better is a pretty good song. Um, yes. Yep. But again, all of these, you said Goldfinger is again, the thing that kind of almost forces you to do all these things, you know? Right. This again, uh, on, on so many levels, it's really setting the formula of which the song is a part of that James Bond package. And, and this was a huge hit song for Shirley Bassey and for the yeah. movie and um, a big, big, big deal. Uh, we talked about, you know, Connery, but his performance here, just, you know, cementing what James Bond would become and that that iconic character that has evolved and changed through the years. And it's always, I think it's always going to be the measuring stick, whether you personally like it or not. It's it's what everything's going to be compared to. I agree. I agree. David agrees. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think by this time, whatever next year, I think we're probably going to look at the, the Daniel Craig thing and say, you know what? Well, again, in 40 years, when movies are completely different again, we'll look back on Daniel Craig and say, what the hell were these people spoken in the 2010s to watch this crap? <laughs> you know these movies aren't even projected on the inside of your eyeballs what are we doing here i know i, I want an interactive vr james bond experience and right it's it's a, like you, go. you just sit and watch it on a screen, <laughs> on a screen. yeah i want james bond saving my life <laughs> <laughs> so basically, basically dave wants total recall because yeah. yeah. that goes well <laughs> well it ha- we you know we only have that one example john we don't know <laughs> well, we have two well, we have two examples to recall oh, um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> no it's i mean i think at the end of it what john's probably right in that well it's just it's the first you know we still judge star wars movies well off the second one really yeah but um Here's the thing I, I just thought of, and I want to as as much sort of better film historians than I am. Is there any franchise that keeps cranking out movies that audiences never reject like this? You know, because this like especially in the 70s, these movies are god awful for the most part. Every two years, we're like, Jay's Bob movie, let's go. Let's, yep. let's 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 make it 50 million bucks. Yeah. And I- yeah, I I don't think so. I mean, this is the longest running film franchise out there, right? Well, for for now, when when whatever Marvel does subsumes everything. Well, eventually. but Bond Bond's well, got a you know a fifty yeah, for, year head start. Well, <laughs> Marvel is the only one who's ever done it, where where audiences just snap up every single thing they do, no matter what. Um, like even the, we we even rejected a Star Wars movie or two here and there. So more than yeah, that. but even the Bond movies, wow. even the ones that aren't a success, was it ever really in danger of not continuing? Well, every couple of years when MGM would go bankrupt, it would. Yeah, sure. But, that's, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's different, but yeah. And I mean, we had the, the, the gap between 
License to Kill and Goldeneye was six years. Mm-hmm. And that was, and a lot of that was like, should we keep doing this yeah. kind of stuff? Well, they um, were, we'll, we'll talk when we get there someday. Uh, yeah. We'll t- talk about how there was going to be another Dalton movie in 1991 that was planned yep. and in the works. And then it got dropped for whatever reasons. And, but yeah, that was, that was, and Goldeneye was a complete reset and relaunch, just like uh, Casino Royale was. And I think No Time to Die will end up breaking that record, but not by choice. Yeah. For the longest space between movies. Yeah, we're at what? It's going to be, this is 2021, and that's going to be six years between Bond movies? Six years and change. I think I think it might be like a couple of days longer when I wrote about it. Wow. Yeah. But yeah. a pandemic got in the way of that, right? Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, we're going to sit back and, you know, figure out what we're doing here. It was just like, oh, I guess we will not release this. All right, fine. Yeah. Also, we just spent two years convincing Daniel Craig to do it. Right. David, r- r- just keep in mind the pandemic never breached the walls of Recon Cinema Studios. We, we have never had a case. Never, no. We uh, have the highest levels of security and medical clearances that uh, we do multiple medical tests uh, of varying degrees uh, just to enter the studio a lot. So yeah. it's about six hours of tests in order just to get through medical and security. Yeah. And then you're in the hallowed halls. Yeah. Yeah, we have absolutely been doing that here. 100%. Hours Good. and hours. Make every sure person who comes in. Make sure Every single one. We don't want to send a, a spot check uh, guy. I thought you guys would have to be doing the, the protocols at every location. And we absolutely have. I, okay. I, I just don't know what happened to all the proof. It's here somewhere. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> I may have, we may have turned it into gold. Gold finger. Hey, oh. He doesn't have um, a gold finger. I know. I he didn't even that. have one. Like he had a golden gun and his name is Arik Goldfinger. <laughs> Why wouldn't he just have Ian Fleming? Subtle. That was an amazing name. I did. <laughs> Arik Goldfinger. Uh, he's English, but doesn't act it. Okay. So <laughs> we say in the movie, he's English. And when we redub all of Gert Frobe's dialogue, we do it. With a German accent. Oh, that was a redub. Was oh that- yeah, Gert Frobe could could not speak English. Um, oh no. Read all his lines phonetically, and his it was basically completely unintelligible. So they had uh, I bet John remembers his name, um, Michael another, Collins, uh, stage actor, come in and and it was weird because like Frobe like talked too fast or something like that. So the ADR was very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to start a James Bond movie drinking game. For like every bad technical screw up you see in a James Bond movie, you drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like day for night, drink. Um, <laughs> right. Which is tough. That, that rear project projection rear stuff. Pro- oh, bad rear projection, drink. Yeah. Um, the we talked earlier about the the scene with the laser. Like, there's one cut in that scene where I'm like, why is this scene in black and white? Like, why is this shot in <laughs> black and white for no reason? Um, <laughs> because the this... optical effect they use for the laser, like basically, like. Hey, what if we draw on the film with a magic marker? Mm, okay, and it's it's so it's so bad, um, bad ADR drink, which is like, um, well, that's a lot. Of that's every, well, that's in the last movie too, right? Wasn't yeah. There, uh, like, well, I love how, and this is a very personal thing when, when they're on the golf course, uh, which was supposed to be uh, the Royal St. George, where we just had the Open Championship, um, <laughs> and they're on the first tee. And you see Sean Connery's brilliant, fantastic golf swing. 
because mm-hmm. Connery was a scratch golfer. I'm pretty sure in 63 already. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and then through what we will politely call movie magic, we do not see Gert Frobey's golf swing um, <laughs> because I am assuming it was like Charles Barkley esque. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I'm watching him go. I'm like, man, that guy's got a good swing for an amateur. <laughs> yeah. We um, did you, let's see. How about the, the Miami sequence with the rear projection there? Like, where, 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 is, yeah. well, because Felix, the guy who plays Felix Leiter, uh, Linder, Linder. Yeah. Linder, was like, I think the only actor in Miami. Correct. On location. Oh, really? Yeah, and the rest was the rest was all rear projection oh, at Pinewood. So they did not, walk through, right? They yeah. did they did those wide overhead those helicopter shots. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really there, and then they got some shots with Sack Linder, and uh, that was it. And then everything else was at Pinewood, right? Rear projection and very. It's one of those that stands out. It's a little tough to because like, you could just tell, and it just doesn't feel right. Yeah, why? But, why couldn't why couldn't we do this there? They did their I, yeah, they did their best to match, <laughs> but it just looks like a set. Because <laughs> yeah. we filmed in Kentucky, I believe. Did they come to Kentucky? I believe so. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Why not just pop over to Florida? Yeah, and I don't do know. Re- with, with Connery for a day and, and, get, and get the one shot of him in the hotel. Yeah. I think when I was a kid, I think part of my turn off of James Bond was like, oh, he's always in like foreign countries and London. Like, well, he doesn't come to America. I'm not gonna watch this. Oh, he does. But does he? So I was like, oh, cool, Miami Beach. Let's go. Like, and then Kentucky. Yeah, he's in America. When is the? He doesn't come back to America until uh, Diamonds Are Forever. Diamonds Are Forever. Right? Yeah. yeah. Vegas. Vegas, oh, baby. Vegas. Vegas, baby. And then Roger Moore spends a lot of time in America. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Live and Let Die. The uh, Man with the Gold Gun. Hangs out uh, in Orange County or something. Like, view to a kill. I don't think he goes to Disneyland. I don't think uh, uh, Pierce Brosnan didn't spend any time in America. No. Yeah. It's hmm. sad that I know this off the top of my head. <laughs> but um, well, I, let's t- talk about the rest of the cast too. Uh, we talked about Gerd Froba, and then we've got Harold Sakata as Odd Job. Yeah. Who yeah. loves Odd Job? I. That was one thing watching today. I'm like, I love watching this dude. This yeah. guy is just having a good time. He's out there. He's doing the thing. And he's, 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 he's creating the mold, you know, and this is like, and I, I was reading this. Day, like that dude was like super committed. Um, apparently got electrocuted during that scene. Yeah. And didn't then stuck with it until they called cut. Wow. Jeez. Wow. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and he took that fall from the bars to the floor uh really great it was just yeah. like plopped just just dead i loved it it was great no great he, he, he he like i said i don't for me there's when you talk about like all the innumerable rankings of james bond things or whatever like henchmen it's like there's odd job and then nobody else like it's the, why are we even bothering yeah i mean some of them in the later movies like don't even have like you don't even know their names. There's nothing that really stands out about them other than they're big dudes. But Ajab is really that that perfectly done henchman. Yeah. Other than the racism. Other than the racism. Uh, are we gonna do this now or later? <laughs> Let's do it later. <laughs> okay. We'll do it at, once we do all the name cast, we could talk about yeah. the, yeah. the <laughs> casual casting. David's favorite segment. 
who's in this movie? <laughs> we need when a jingle we, there. When we spend 45 minutes talking about all the other actors' other movies, I'm ready to move on. <laughs> but uh, no, well, like there's a lot of talent in this thing. Yeah, I mean, and really, there's you know, we talked we talked about. I'm just gonna say one more time about Secklinder. Uh, yeah, my least favorite Felix Leiter, and I I loathe the fact that they had such issues with with continuity with that particular character. It really bothered me. Jack Lord was really like the perfect uh, Felix Leiter, especially of that time, and they just they didn't want to pay him. They didn't yep. want to pay him the the rate mm-hmm. that he wanted. I don't remember was Hawaii Five O on at this point? No, right? I don't 64? think it comes on until that's like a set. 70 like 66 right? i want to say 66 yeah. to 70 something i want to say maybe yeah yeah but um he was still a name and and i, I just it would have been such a better move to to have him here and the lines are delivered I, i'm not anybody, familiar anybody but this dude yeah i'm not familiar with his career i know he was in lolita uh, so that's the only other movie that oh. i've seen him in but uh just really not a good performance, not good dialogue for him. He's like uh, just another American buffoon. It, it seems like, and I don't know that that was Ken, a weak spot. I don't get you one. It's a drinker, a dame. I'm like what Damon Runyon play did you freaking walk out of? Jesus. <laughs> uh, on the flip side of that, Honor Blackman as Pussy Galore, uh, a, a great performance that could have been a character that you go much, much deeper with. There's, there's a lot to talk about uh, that character. Are we going to talk about this now or this later as well? <laughs> later. <laughs> okay. Oh, she's great. The performance is great, though. We say what you will about the character. She's great in this. Oh, yeah. Oh, I um, wanted more of her. Also, like, sort of that role of the, the, the character in the movie who knows this is all faintly ridiculous and is okay with it. Yeah. You know, she's just a little bit arch and outside of all of it. And I love watching that. She's the first really like cool female character of the series. Yeah. The only, sorry, but the only one. Um, the only, I think maybe the only like legit one, not like forced at you like Halle Berry, you know? Yeah. I know Melina in Fear Eyes Only is, is competent, but she's not cool. She's just angry and, you know, driven by revenge. But right. Uh, Honor Blackman is the closest thing I think we get to a female James Bond in this yeah. series, maybe. Yeah, she's just got it, it's a really good matchup for Connery. It's, um, you know, they're both suave and sly and they can do the action. They can do the the sexiness. And yeah. it, uh, obviously, there's a lot more to what's going on with her character. But her performance is really, really strong. And she's, yeah. she's a great actress. And she was on the Avengers uh, I think she was like two or three seasons in at this point, um, oh. which was a, a very you know huge show on British television. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I loved her performance here. And then then the I, I'd say the only other sort of name performance is Shirley Eaton as Jill Masterson, who's really only in the movie for what maybe five minutes, but one of the most iconic images of the Bond franchise. Yeah. You know the the body painted in gold. She was painted to death, guys. Painted to death. Yeah, not 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 a thing. Not <laughs> not, 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 not a thing. thing. Skin <laughs> suffocation. Not a thing. I mean, um, I guess I, maybe it is. Is it a not thing? Not a thing. Not a thing. Not not at all a thing. No. 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 Not a thing. Okay. <laughs> hey, here's the thing. Have you ever been underwater in a pool? 
Did you <laughs> suffocate because your skin couldn't breathe? No, not a thing. That's a good point. Yeah, they, I'm, I'm thinking will, back. Well, no, that hasn't happened to me. Yeah. Why couldn't we just say, oh, he poisoned her and then painted the body gold because he's obsessed with gold? Right. Like, right. Doesn't, doesn't that do this, accomplish the same thing? And how long would that take to paint? And it's, a and it's perfect, too. Like, why isn't the paint on the bed? Did, yeah. he do, did they do the eye? Was she alive when they did the eyelids? How did, why did this just happen? It's, there's a lot of things in this movie that are like, if you think about it for three seconds, you're like, wait, this doesn't make any uh, sense. It takes a very long time for that nuclear bomb to go off. That with the counter does not does it, not yeah. reflect. <laughs> it speeds up and it slows that down. That is the, the longest third. I, I think I clocked it at one point. So it's like what thirty seconds on the on the clock in the movie, and it lasts like almost three minutes. Well, it's three hundred and sixty seconds at the start. At the start, okay. but yeah. But when we get to the end part, yeah, but it's but it counting down at like ten ticks a second, and then it, it, yeah, it doesn't. It's, make it, sense. it's there's some stuff that is tough to swallow in this film uh we talked about uh desmond llewellyn but uh don't forget don't you dare forget bernard lee and lois maxwell as m and money penny can i forget uh, lois maxwell please <laughs> oh come can on I I, those, not a fan dude dude, dude those scenes i mean i, I get it's not 19 so those scenes are excruciating they look like they're off like a like a staged play the, the way this they go like, yeah you know, sort of i just love how okay James Bond movie. What do we have to have? We got to have women. We got to have gadgets. We got to have cars. We got to have sex. We got to have Sean Connery throwing a hat onto a hat rack. What the Christ? Who's like, this has to be in every film, the hat thing. But she did it. She did it this time. (laughs) She took the hat and threw it. Yeah, no. And those scenes are just like, why? 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 I don't know. Yeah, they're they're tough, especially now. I didn't mind as a kid, but now it's just like. Ooh. And M's always listening. Yeah, he's a like, he's dude, a voyeur. Like, he's a like point, Bond. Yeah. How many times have you walked out of that room and did your weird, let's politely call it, flirting thing with Money Penny? Then M's <laughs> like, "Hey, dudes, I'm listening. Stop fucking each other out there." And come on, guys. <laughs> Sorry, I I really didn't like that scene. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't um, that bad. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, it's not great, but it's fine. It, I, I'm fine with it. It gets there was a lot of terrible stuff in the rest of the movie. In the James Bond opening scene after the credits, doesn't he slap a girl's behind? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I guess let's 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 go there now because like man so... talk. Dink, meet Felix Leiter. Hello. Felix, say hello to Dink. Hi, Dink. Dink, say goodbye to Felix. Uh, man talk. <laughs> exactly. It's time for man talk. Man talk. Oh, gross. <laughs> yeah, her name. Her name is Dink, and Dink. he thanks her on the on the butt and tells her, her to you know, yeah. get out because it's man he, talk time. Yeah, he introduces her and then t- like rudely tells her to leave with some quip, and then she's like, "What? <laughs> man talk? <laughs> Slap? Like, Slap? Yeah. This is minutes. Uh, this is minutes into the film." Well, and, and that became that was such a thing. I mean, that was part of Bond's, uh, you know, part of the Bond package for so long. And and I'm glad that we've moved away from that. I mean, you really don't see almost any of that part of his character left in the in the Daniel Craig movies, but the Connery ones, and then all the Roger Moore ones as well. Even the Brosnan ones still have a ton of it. Well, the Bro- like- the Brosnan ones sort of call it out, but he still does it. I remember there's there's the line in, in Goldeneye where she famously says, "You're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur," 
I remember when I saw that when I was whatever, 18, I'm like, is he really though? No, I'm not. That seems, I'm like, that seems like an easy criticism of James Bond. <laughs> and I watch these movies now and I'm like, oh my oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh, I, said, I said, I see the problem here. I didn't know what those words meant when I first saw that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, How dare uh, that woman say this about my hero, James well, Bond? Uh, I, I, honestly, the, the thing I will say about Daniel Craig is I, I absolutely agree that he is, that Daniel Craig's James Bond is a misogynist. But yes. like, not in like the, the, hey, he's a misogynist, but it's fun way of Sean Connery. Uh, in a sort of like, oh, he's a misogynist. This is really sad and depressing. Like everything about Daniel Craig. Yeah, um, that's yeah. I, I agree. I, mean, I remember not- I I talked to a guy who saw a screening of Casino Royale before it came out. I remember asking him, "Does he say the line at the end?" And he's like, "Yep." And I said, "Oh, okay. We may have something interesting here." Um, the the famous last line of the book. Yeah. Um, and he and he does. I'm like, oh, okay. That's an interesting choice that these movies would have never made before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the general per- portrayal of women is so poor. I mean, again, looking at it now from today's perspective, back then it was that was everywhere. That was how women were portrayed. They're always, you know, with Pussy Galore being sort of a semi exception, all the women are subservient. They're they're most of them are scantily clad. They fall for his charms immediately. Like yeah. immediately, they've met him for like well, thirty seconds, and well, Pussy Galore doesn't necessarily fall for it until like yeah, she, until she stays gay her. for like for like three minutes <laughs> until he rapes her in the barn. Yeah. The rapes. But I just I like, and how about like so any woman of agency in the movie, James Bond interrogates them about who they're sleeping with, like. Oh, you work for him, but is that all you do? That that happened like three times. I'm like, yeah. oh Jesus! Like every woman of age, he's got to find out if she has a boyfriend <laughs> because he's going to try to bed them, and he just needs to know if there's a le- an added level of difficulty of a prior relationship, right? Like, or if he, just... or if he's going to get chlamydia. I don't know. Yeah, I don't or think this... he cares about that. <laughs> Not this. <laughs> he, he might. That's just, that might be his version of safe sex. Are you sleeping with anybody else? No. Okay, fine. <laughs> just but like the beginning of the movie is like he gets mm-hmm. into trouble because he has to, he wants to bang around like he like he almost got killed like in the, in the, the o- hotel the opening of the movie is because he doesn't go to get on the plane so he can go back and have sex with him in the hotel and he was specifically warned don't go there they're going to be watching you he doesn't even clear the room <laughs> and, then, and then a guy just happened to be there the whole time while she's taking a bath uh well but she was on she was on that guy's side i guess right yeah. so yes. it's just like what are we doing? He's so stupid. Like, well, you know, James, he likes to chase tail. He, he's <laughs> there, there, there was a credit when I was watching this this morning. Oh, so like your opening credits, you've got your, this is not a Maurice Binder credit sequence, right? Uh, this one is not. Yeah. Um, I think it's Robert Brown, John. And I saw a credit. Uh, continuity girl. <laughs> I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah. Re- yeah. Really? That not was- just not just continuity, not just with a continuity girl. I'm like, oh my God, dude. That was the prior name to script supervisor. Sure. And what about Jill? So, you know, obviously he, he kind of bursts in and uh, has his way with her really. Uh, but is she like, what is her job with Goldfinger? Is she, is she like a, a prostitute? 
She's she was seen with him, right? So doesn't yeah. she say she's his secretary or something? No, no. Her job is to cheat at cards and be seen with him. Yeah, and only seen. She said. So she is, she, is she a is she a beard? Is is Goldfinger gay? Oh, I could see that. Sure. Yeah, I'd buy that. Or you know, it's just it's just uh, it's all about that status. I mean, maybe maybe that's the line she won't cross. So as long as she puts up appearances. But you know, yeah. I was just thinking. This is a side sidebar, but you know who they should have cast as Goldfinger, Alfred Hitchcock. There you go. There you go. All right. Sure. <laughs> well, just did they want somebody in. who they couldn't get for Goldfinger? Um, Theodore not Hitchcock, Be- but some Theodore Bickel. Theodore- that's right. Yes. Yeah, Theodore Bickel was the was one of the actors I know they went for. But oh, I'm just imagining that now. And yeah. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, yeah. They they did the right thing. But do they continue to hire actors who don't speak English? Like in uh, there are some. Them? There are like, some. That's 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 a thing, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's yeah, fine. They the the, vo- the voice dubbing will continue. Gotcha. Yeah. That they that will appear in the in <laughs> so the, so the, so the next thing, the credits. Yeah. Bad ADR will return in theorize only. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's talk about Pussy Galore. Uh, that I I couldn't believe it. Watching it again, it, it didn't really register with me again as a kid, but seeing it now, he absolutely rapes her. Yep. Until she gets Yeah, but in. she's into it eventually, so it's fine. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's into it because I'm watching this and I'm watching this and I'm like, oh my God. Like, even in 1964, how do you think this is okay? Yeah. And and not only does he rape her, but he she, he he makes her switch teams, both like in morally and sexually. And I'm like, what? How? Why? Why is it like? Is she a- again? It's we used to say that like George Lucas would go write the prequels and like watch it and say, "Yeah, that's a good idea." Like somebody wrote the, Richard Maybaum wrote this scene and then sat back and looked at it and said, "Yeah, this is good. Yeah, let's shoot yeah. this to show how, like no one can resist his charms, right?" He's yeah, that's because it's every male's fantasy to just bed any woman they they target. And that, you know, he gets to do that. He gets to kill. He's got a license to kill, gets to sleep with whoever he wants. He gets to save the world. How did you get it at one Washington? I appealed to her maternal instincts. I, okay. Uh, sure. Sure, buddy. Yeah. So wait, right. is she, is she definitely a lesbian? In, in, oh, the my book, yes. in the book, it is absolutely confirmed. Like, oh, in the book. It's called yeah. out in the book. In the movie, yeah. it's just sort of alluded to, but they, you, you know, they wouldn't You say couldn't that say it. Yeah. So she... She repeatedly She's, says, "I'm immune to your charms." Blah blah right, blah. Right, blah. Right. And what an you didn't, asshole! You didn't you didn't notice all her female blonde pilots? No, no. I, I mean, the thing is, like that. That's what I thought was, you know, I I absolutely read it at like lesbian coded, but like it's just sort of like, yeah, you know, you're you're right. Like I, that that's that's the intentional meaning of it. And then it's like he gets to he, even he, even she can't resist him, like. Without so without an, even a clear understanding of of, of that, it's just kind of gross. Uh, mm-hmm. Is a uh, but wait is the oh, what's the question I had about her? But in the book, then is she, you say it's confirmed, but did, he doesn't sleep with her in the book, right? Or does it? Does it... No, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Oh, okay, great, great. Yep. This is great stuff. 
<laughs> I mean, the, I, I think that the tone of it is different in the book than it is here in the movie. Mm-hmm. But doesn't she doesn't she beat him up a bunch of times in the book or something? Like yeah, that? I think they have much more of a fight than yeah. than uh, you know. I, I they they do in the movie too. It's just not the same. Yeah. So yeah. in the book, it's like revenge sex, you know. Hmm. Whereas in the movie, it's you know. Yeah, I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not even gonna finish that joke. I just, I can't. I, I, I feel like yeah. in the book again, I'd have to reread it, but I felt like in the book it was like they were fighting and got sort of turned on by it, and then they just had yeah. sex, and sure, which it felt like a more realistic like thing that could happen, you know. But like heat of the moment, yeah, the heat, the heat of the moment. That, that was it. But uh, but they literally go for a roll in the hay. I'm like, oh man, oh, I was. Yeah. I was a microsecond from saying that. Man. Uh, yeah, Come on. Yeah, sorry. I, I noted it while I'm watching. I'm like, oh my God. Like, it's just... Yeah. Yeah. Who are you? Bond. James Bond. I've got my, uh, my Bond, uh, my Bond sex count going as we go through the <laughs> The babe, the babometer, babometer. Sorry, is that is that like the Arc Goldfinger radiation detector which Ex- we have in this movie? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Doctor No, he sleeps. He has sex four times. From Russia with Love, he's got he has sex five times. This movie, I, unless I miscounted it, I've only got him having sex three times—a measly three times. Hmm. Wait, who's the third? The so in the opening sequence, doesn't does that? Would we count that one? Nah. I mean, he would have, but like, you know, a couple hours before that. Yeah, that's a hookup at best. Okay, so then maybe we lower it to two. So then it would well, just uh, be my, so it's just uh, pussy galore. No, it would be it would be uh, Jill. He definitely Jill. has sex with Jill, yeah. and then pussy later on. I then then the ending. The flight attendant. So oh yeah okay wait there you, he has sex with pussy galore twice so there you go. So, so I, we're I back at three. He slept with the, with the with the Chinese flight attendant. Oh, uh, I never I never clocked that. Hmm. I mean, it's no, James he, Bond. I just kind of assumed that he did. He spent half an hour changing into his suit uh, based he, on the he, flight time. He, he he did spend half an hour changing. <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't see this. Well, he showered and everything too. So yeah. But he didn't sleep with her because they didn't give her enough lines or make her like even just give her a, a little bit of agency that he can like take away from her. Mm. So, <laughs> which is, seems to be part of the formula. Interesting thing to get upset about. <laughs> so, so we're clocking twelve sexual encounters in three movies so far. Let's let's see where it goes. I think some movies, especially the Roger Moore ones, the sex count's going to go way up. What else? What are there? Are there other issues we have with the with the sexism, the racism of the movie? Oh, covered it. I, I literally texted Dave in the middle of this and said, "Remind me to ask John if we can talk about Goldfinger's casually racist hiring policies. <laughs> why? Why are all his employees Oriental? Why? Well, because he's I working." Have- He's working with the Chinese government. That's what it is. But he also yeah. explicitly says that odd job is Korean. Well, True. and there also you go. played by played by a Japanese guy. Yeah. But, um, but uh, they're all Chinese. All his, all those guys are are Chinese, right? They're all um, Doctor Ling's people, and yes, he's got an are, army uh, of them. Okay, I, I never sort of clocked that, but I think they're Chi- right. I think they're Chinese. Well, the, and the closed caption says they're speaking Cantonese. So I'm okay, just gonna, I'll just okay. assume. Everyone in the uniform, in a sort of, 
Stranger Things season three way, are we going to talk about how China got an army into Kentucky without anyone noticing? Because <laughs> it's, yeah. not, it's not like Goldfinger and Odd Job and like his close group of bodyguards. There's hundreds of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. And where do they all end up at the end of the movie? I mean, there's uh, definitely dead. some that well, they're dead. Do they all die? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the like one dude gets just... crushed by the vault door, which is, I admit, that was a good touch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that one. That was uh like the door's closing. I'm like, dude, get out of there. And you yeah. can see the door closing. He's like, Oh, I should get out of here, but I don't. Ah. <laughs> yeah, Hate it when that happens. But yeah. yeah, it's interesting that yeah, the change from a specter to just like general like Chinese people. Uh, well, Chinese government. So, so another boogeyman for for Western audiences, right? Like, sort of. Well, yeah. This is again sort of product of its time that that the, you know the Chinese government and what they were doing at this point, and you know, I think the I don't think it's laid out very clearly, but it seems like the Chinese government has hired Goldfinger or made a deal with him to do this plan, which is going to send the world into chaos. So they're yeah. the ones behind it and he's the face of it. And he's going to, his payoff is that his gold, that the value of his gold is going to skyrocket because he's going to have compiled it all. Yeah. So, yeah. It, Cause it's, yeah, it's supposed to send the West into economic turmoil. Right. Yeah. So, so the East would be safe. Um, <laughs> Is any the science of uh, the radiation lasting for fifty-eight years? Is that do we know? Is that how radiation on gold would Let's work? Let's check I with the Reconsin scientists. I never look. I meant to look this up just to I see mean, if there was I, I, any I think, basis. It would, I think it would depend on the yield that you use. I mean, like hmm. if you like shine a flashlight at something, you're technically like quasi irradiating. I mean, it's right. right I think it's. Right. I think it's more that like oh, the area would be impassable to people, so the gold. It's not like, oh, if we rate it, the gold turns into, you know, nickel. It's just you can't go near it. Right. So, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, either way, I mean. It's a great plan. The, in, in like movie logic, it's a great plan. I'm not great sure. Plan. Like if you're sitting here like, I need, an, I need an idea for my criminal scheme. What if I irradiate gold? There's a lot of, <laughs> your idea has some technical hitches in it, I think. <laughs> also, I love, I love Goldfinger's speech. There has never been the moon landing of crime. I'm like, what? <laughs> I guess there hasn't, but what? Like this would be the greatest criminal act. <laughs> that, that sounds like it's straight out of like Lex Luthor and the, the Legion of Doom. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's, and it's all fake anyway. Like, okay, here's my question. Why does Goldfinger do that whole presentation when he's going to kill all of them anyway? Well, why do any of the villains do the explaining thing? They explain the whole plot. It's all for the audience, but yeah. yet they've walked characters through and then they try to kill them. And then just like, okay, we've, we've gathered all the mafiosi in America into one room and we're going to try and sell them on my plan to rob Fort Knox and none of them will realize you can't do that. But they're all like, okay, yeah. We're, but then they all agree to it. Yeah, they would be like, fine. Yeah, we want to we want to rob Fort Knox. He's like, yeah, I'm just gonna guess you anyway. And, and and then when we do the car crusher thing with Mr. Solo, oh, and it comes yeah. out, and I like, and, and I remember, I remember thinking this when I was a kid, and thinking that like, why doesn't Oddjob just take the gold out of the trunk? I know, right? When he leaves, why do we put it into the crushed car? Which also shouldn't like be blood be pouring out of that that cube? 
and gasoline like, and oil. Yeah, yeah. right. But, but like, <laughs> no, like clean. I have to, I have to extract my gold from the car. You, you could have had Oddjob extract it with his hands when the car was fine and put yeah. that in the back of the truck. The guy was but, dead. Like, yeah, the guy, it wasn't like, like, oh, we had to kill him in the car crusher. No, just, a lot of things in this movie don't make sense if you think about them for too long. Yeah, well, that's that's part of the Bond movies in in general, especially the older ones, that they just didn't have that same level of audience expectation that you know now we we look for that kind of stuff and it's got to feel right and make sense whereas it's, then there was just it was just escapist adventure story and people didn't care like my memory of it isn't like crazy why does this happen stuff like in this movie um like i said the whole why if, if they think every soldier within 100 miles is dead why are they dressed up like american soldiers it's like you, you only do that if oh what if they're not dead and they're faking which they are, and nobody right. checks. That's true. Yeah, not one <laughs> person goes and checks for a pulse. Yeah, no, not one person checks to see all these guys fell down at the exact same time, almost <laughs> like it was choreographed. <laughs> that's just that's how it would happen. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I just it's like, and we're gonna do it out of stunt planes, and no one's gonna notice. Hey, the people over there on that stunt plane all died. Maybe we should like go inside. Nobody does that. They just no. all stand there and get gassed. What about all the other people? Like other people in, you know, the, the town nearby? Like as, yeah. as Goldfinger says, Americans kill that many people on the roads every two years. Yeah, but not with nerve gas. Yeah. That's 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 back when American cars were death traps. We weren't, you know, murdering yeah. people. That was those were accidents. Well, the pilots didn't happen to kill any anyone else like on yeah. the road. And like, they also they're very gas accurate. Masks. Shouldn't they have been wearing gas masks in their plane, right? You know, with the nerve gas? I don't. Probably. Don't think about it too much. I'm curious why Oddjob was just like, well, I'm definitely going to blow up with this bomb and I'm going to make sure this happens. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't care how much I, I, I've enjoyed my time with him. I'm, well, I'm going to make sure all I the, die. all the henchmen are fiercely loyal and get just sidetracked with that need to defeat bond over all other yeah. considerations true <laughs> totally bananas well the, the doctor dude's like screw this i'm turning off the bomb i'm getting out of here and i'm just like no we are dying in here with the bomb and <laughs> this must happen yeah <laughs> but he and he just tosses them over the top <laughs> oh my god give him credit for loyalty yeah absolutely like when when he goes to lock them in i job like looks at the door he's like yeah i had a good run yeah, yeah. Ah, the well. doctor's like, I gotta get out. Dodge out there. <laughs> so, all right, we we've kind of hit a lot of things that don't hold up for us that don't you know necessarily work anymore, or we flat mm-hmm. out dislike. Are there any sequences, or or are there some things about the movie that you guys did enjoy? Connery, surely. I mean, it's uh, I'm almost never going to complain about watching. Sean Connery as James Bond. Um, Yeah. Even Never Say Never Again, I'll still watch because it's freaking Sean Connery being James Bond. I'm cool with that. Um, Like, even though I know it's cobbled together, I enjoy the Goldfinger performance. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, I think think part of it is because he uh, struggled with the language that he really only, he didn't say that much you know he yeah. didn't go on and on and on 
even though he did the explaining thing, but uh, you know, it was much more to the point. Yeah, and it's it's like I have a problem because the 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 the, the, the writer structuralist in me is like Goldfinger doesn't want anything, you know, he just wants stuff he already has to be worth more money, right? Um, but and, and the performance is still really interesting, you know. Yeah, it's the, the guy who just villains about is not supposed to be good, and and they actually pull this off in this movie, where a guy who just basically twats about as a bad guy is still really fun to watch. I um I really enjoyed the opening sequence. Actually, I thought that was uh, that mm-hmm. was fun and kind of all things all things true Bond and you know with uh, swimming up with the duck on his head, you know, as the disguise, <laughs> yeah. and then coming right out of that wetsuit into the suit and, and then yeah. nailing that James Bond look and uh, you know that fight and then the catching the the guy coming up behind him in the reflection in the woman's eye. Oh God. Oh, yeah. Come on. Oh, my God. Um, I did like that. Bond kind of gets that crap kicked out of him in this movie a lot. Constantly. Yeah, he he yeah. got which, knocked which out you like don't really times. see, which you don't really see a lot. He gets beat up a bunch. Um, what about the laser, the crotch laser? I, I, I thought that was a great gag. That's a really good scene. Like, and Connery really sells it. Mm-hmm. Like he like like it's I think it might be like the only time you ever see James Bond like desperate in whatever twenty movies. Well, yeah, I mean he doesn't. There's nothing that he does to escape that situation. Yeah, he's yeah. bluffing. I mean, yeah, he just bluffs his way out, but he didn't yeah. do anything cool to like. Goldfinger right. says he's bluffing, and he's like, "Yeah, I am." But what if I'm not? What if I'm not? <laughs> yeah. No, um, yeah. As I said, it, it, it's tough to dislike Sean Connery. Yeah, 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 and, and I, 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 I still love Odd Job. You know, Howard Sakata is great, even with all the the sexist stuff that that character does. And I'm not talking about Odd Job. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> odd Job treatment of women is absolutely appalling in this film. Um, there, there is there is something about you know uh, Connery and that that iconic performance that you still you still do you still root for him. You still, uh, you're still into, and you're with that character. He wears yeah. that suit, man. He does. He certainly he does. does. Does wear that suit. Hairpiece looked good. It did look really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I also not... love that he tricks. He tricks a henchman with the uh, Austin Powers elevator trick. Oh my god! Yes, I forgot <laughs> about that. Yeah. Wait, which part? Wait, which? <laughs> When he's locked up in the cell in Kentucky. Oh, oh, oh Because yeah, yeah. lots of stud farms have cells. Dungeons. How about dungeons? Because <laughs> that was a dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> but then and he does the elevator trick, and the guy's like, oh my God, what if there's an elevator in that cell he's escaping in? I'm like, seriously? <laughs> um, all right. Let's uh let's talk a little BO. Should we do some box office glory? Absolutely. It's time all right. Uh, so the you know it, it's a little tough. We talk about some of these older films that they don't have the same kind of box office uh, records that they started to keep track of, uh, or at least are reported online through the '80s into the '90s, and of course today. But uh, it uh, had a three million dollar budget. It's uh, released in the UK in 
on September 18th, 1964. Comes out about three months later, just in time for Christmas uh, in the U.S. So uh, it does a grand total. Now, not the initial run, but this includes the in the next couple of years, the, a few reruns with with uh, paired with other Bond movies. So it would be. I think they did a run with Dr. No and Goldfinger and then from Russia with love and Goldfinger, uh, 51 million domestic, 125 million worldwide. So for $1964, that is huge. A lot of money. That's a Ooh, lot boy. of money. Cause I know that I read that the, the budget of 3 million in $2020 was 25 million, which, mm-hmm. Hey, can you imagine making that movie for $25 million today? No, they're the what? Like 200 million now. I mean, yeah. like, like even not even a change, but like, okay, we're going to shoot this script for 25 million that you couldn't, I, I just can't comprehend doing that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So if you're roughly looking at like eight to one, that means it did 400 us and something like 900 worldwide. Yeah. Hey, so that's a pretty good day at the office. Yeah. I mean, the impact of this was, was huge and really propelled this franchise. Like we talked about into, into that, that next, I mean, really that first blockbuster franchise level. I mean, this was the action movie uh, that people were going to see when, whenever, however often it came out, it was usually average two to three years between movies, sometimes a little more frequently or, or less. Mm. So wait, but the first, this is the third movie. The, yeah, the first three come out, boom, boom, boom. 62, 63, 64, right? Yeah. Yes. And I yeah. think 65, Thunderbolt? Yep. Yeah. 65, and then they start spacing out. 67, 69, 71. Because <laughs> yeah, Sean Connor doesn't want to die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but here he's still he he's still into the role and into the performance. I think the the part of the fallout of this movie was him becoming that household name and that major, major star was, you know, not necessarily what he wanted with his career. So I think this is sort of the 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 release of this movie is sort of starts to be the beginning of the end of uh, Bond for for Connery. But um, this, uh, if you look at the box office uh, records for all of the Bond franchise, all of these early movies uh, just dollar for dollar rank on the lower side. This this is uh, all time number eighteen uh, between Thunderball and Diamonds Are Forever. But, you know, you compare it to what would what would that uh, like, John, what you were just saying in today's dollars, this would rank much higher. Yeah, like 400. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So this would still probably be top top level. uh, Yeah. Bond. Because wasn't wasn't dollar for dollar the most successful one. Skyfall. Like, uh, Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like Skyfall's over a billion. This would be. This would probably be around somewhere in the, the high end of the Brosnan uh, range. So, gotcha. uh, uh, Die Another Day was his highest, uh, you know, gross box office gross. That was four hundred thirty-one million. Oh, wow! And there's a huge like what a, what a what a dreadful dreadful movie. I mean, the top four box office wise are all the Daniel Craig movies. Yeah. Although I remember, and this was a long, long time ago. Um, reading like like an adjusted for inflation or maybe counting by admissions instead mm-hmm. of dollars and Thunderball was like one of the all-time movies if you if you if you did it by admissions 
Wow. That, that like for be... whatever reason, thun- like Thunderball was crazy popular. Like tickets well, only cost, you know, eight cents or whatever, but like everybody and their mother saw Thunderball in the theater. Well, that's probably because it's coming right off of this. Yeah, right movie. off of this. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a lot of that with, with all of these series that you're going to see. Uh, we talked about it in our Friday the 13th franchise that one movie is, you know, it's going to factor into the next movie. If, if part five is, is bad, that's going to affect part six because the desire to see it is going to be much lower. Just as Halloween. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but all franchises uh, feel that effects. And I think you'll see that when we get to the Roger Moore movies, especially that the box office starts to get a little rocky there and, and uh, you know, they have to kind of re-strategize what they're going to do with some of these movies. But, uh, you know, James Bond is, uh, is still, Marvel aside, still one of the top franchises in, in cinema history. So, uh, you know, and, and a lot of that really comes back to Goldfinger being the massive hit that it was that, um, you know, this really changes everything. So, and we're still, we're still, whether we're enjoying it or not, we're still watching the Bond franchise now. You're still talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're, 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 we're still doing this. <laughs> I, I, these are the only Blu-rays I play anymore because I have them. Hmm. You know, I, I got that 50th anniversary box as a gift. So every time we find something, I'm like, all right, let's, let's, let's actually put a Blu-ray in the machine and see how that goes. Yeah. Well, yeah. So let's, uh, David. Let's start with you. We're, let's rank of the three Bond movies that we've we've covered the, so far. How would how would you rank the three? Uh, uh, going just go backwards. This one from Russia with Love, Doctor No. For me. Yep. Copy that. All right. That's it. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's obvious. This one's big. It's 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 explosive. From Russia with Love is pretty good though. I don't know. No, three, three, two, one. John, how about you? Well, I am philosophically opposed to movie rankings. Um, I'm (laughs) actually kind of not kidding. Um, But I I will tell you of the first three um, now, this is my least favorite. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You get it. I, I, I really have always dug for much with love, which has its own problems. We talked about, right. Um, but I still think is a much better movie. Um, yeah. yeah. There's just, there's so much of this that I'm like, why, what are you doing? No, stop. And that, that takes me out of it. You know, it does. And, I, I agree with you. So, uh, yeah. Least favorite. I would go from Russia with love. Uh, number one at this point, I think it's, a, I think it's still a solid movie. I, I enjoy the story and the structure and the tone of it. This one really gets brought down by the the sexism. Just really, really stood out uh, each time I've watched it recently. And and yeah, uh, you know, even though all things aside about about it being the iconic Bond movie, it's really you know I don't know. It's 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 hard to see past all the other stuff now. So for me, Goldfinger would be number two. Doctor No would still be number three. I, I enjoy the movie. It's just the pacing is much slower and you know, that's the first attempt at it. So it's sure. a lot, a lot's missing in that movie, but um, 
I don't dislike it. It's just entertainment wise. I would still probably go Goldfinger over that one. I, I changed. I changed my mind. From Rush with Love is the, the best one. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. So, and you yeah, know, if, if you want to talk about problematic casual racism in James Bond movies, wait till we get to to uh, you only live twice. Oh yeah, yeah. That, oh, that's oh boy. Great. Oh that's, boy. That'll oh, be no. coming uh, <laughs> next year on Reconciliation. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's fun. Uh, you know, it's fun to look back at, at these older Bond movies and see how they've changed. I just remember loving them all so much as a kid, yeah. especially the Connery ones and all the way, you know, through college. And it wasn't, I probably just wasn't until, I, you know, I think you get to a certain age that you really like all, all that stuff becomes so obvious that um, it's hard to look at them in the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, like, you, you loved Labyrinth when you were a kid, too, didn't you? <laughs> I did, but I haven't seen it in a long time. I've been meaning to watch Labyrinth just to know what I missed. What Don't. did I miss? Don't. Don't. <laughs> well, either way, we're going to continue looking uh, at the Bond films uh, every every so often. You know, there's no exact schedule for it, but obviously we're looking at a big one timed right around for the release of No Time to Die. I'm, I am looking forward to that. I want to see how the... Uh, what they're going to do with the Daniel Craig uh, version of it. Are they going to, there's a lot of questions, a lot of questions of what, what's going to happen here and how they're going to evolve it. Are they going to do something in this movie that's going to sort of segue it into the next, or is this sort of the end of a chapter? We'll have to find out. I can't wait to see. Yeah. I'm DTF. Down to, what? Down to, to film finance down to find out (laughs) (laughs) i was really hoping you would like be appalled at my joke and not try to figure out what it could have possibly meant that that hurts a little bit but okay i just well i just okay (laughs) down to figure skate always always (laughs) always just like the figure skating rink at the hotel exactly what what is that? Just look at a pool. And it turns around. And there's a nice skating rink there. And yeah. I'm like, I am, how does the science the work? Panthers, this does not work. You can't have ice in Florida. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my god. All right. Well, uh, John, I want to thank you for coming on the show uh, again. It's always great to have you back, and and we'll have you back when we look at Thunderball, if not before. So no, thank you. It is always great to be here. Love doing this. Yeah, yeah. it's so great, man. Thank you for being here. Uh, we want to say a quick shout out and thank you to our friends, EK Wimmer. Thank you for the theme music as always. And don't forget to check out his podcast, Laser Graves, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you to our, our good pal, Curtis Moore, for the poster as usual. You know, that's something we didn't even talk about is the Bond posters, too. There's so there's so many different ones and, and there's some really great ones for, for this movie, too. There's good ones and there's really bad ones. I didn't even look at all the posters. I'm going to, I'm going to go fire up the old internet. Yeah. Check out them posters. Yeah. Get on prodigy or America online mm-hmm. and through, through your dial up in your office. Copy, o- sir. Only your office has dial up. We're yeah. all. And I use the Alta Vista search. Uh, yeah. Exclusively. Absolutely. Perfect. Uh, but uh, don't forget to uh, check us out on social media. We're at Reconsidimation Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, anytime you want to hear our archives and our old episodes, you can find them at www.reconsidimation.com, including our Dr. No and From Russia With Love episodes. So uh, thank you, guys. We are going to see you next time on Reconsidimation.
object to see you joking. I never joke about my work, 007. For more than 25 years, James Bond has thrilled moviegoers. And now, Time Life Video announces the James Bond Collection. And the adventure begins with Goldfinger, at the special introductory price of just $9.99. That's a savings of 50% off the regular price. Then you can collect other James Bond adventures on home video. Dr. No, from Russia with love. Thunderball, live and let die. Octopussy, and more. Expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. The James Bond collection begins with Goldfinger for only $9.99. If you keep it, you'll receive another great Bond movie each month for just $19.99. There's no minimum to buy. Cancel at any time. Call now to get Goldfinger for just $9.99. Here's how to order. To order your James Bond video cassette, call 1-800-233-3600. That's 1-800-233-3600. Or send just $9.99 plus $3.23 shipping and handling to James Bond Video, PO Box 1880, Department 4, Alexandria, Virginia.